You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcast series are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be on the God who always causes us to triumph. Listen, tag a friend, let them know that we're alive. You can also get the audio of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We are going to begin a new series today, and I'm excited about it. But in our church, I serve also as a uh, senior pastor, a lead pastor of a local church in Birmingham and Columbus, Georgia, Faith Chapel, and our theme for the year is on financial prosperity. And on my podcast, I'm also teaching on uh, uh, financial prosperity. And it's very interesting. Sometimes you're being led. You don't even know that you're being led. But our last series was wonderful. My wife and my daughter uh, were guests, and we talked about our 42 and a half year uh, journey of marriage. Now, it may seem like it was a break from prosperity, but according to the scripture, Scriptures over in 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says when husbands dwell with knowledge with their spouses, their wives, and honor them, the Bible says that prayers will not be hindered. So there is a connection between a healthy marriage and financial prosperity. And I discovered that even in my own uh, personal experience. As my marriage got better, our finances got better. So we're talking about financial prosperity, but we're going to talk about something that may appear to be unrelated. We're going we're gonna to talk from the subject today, no pressure, you can handle it. No pressure, you can handle it. We're going to be dealing with overcoming the pressures of life. Well, you know, there's a connection between our thinking and our soul and prosperity. Jesus said over in uh, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he said, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we put on? Notice Jesus connects. And if you read that whole text from verses 25, Matthew 6, 25, down through verse 33, Jesus is talking about how to get our needs met in the kingdom. And he connects our thought life to that. John says over in 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prosper. Now notice John connects our prosperity, our natural material prosperity to our soul prospering. So we're going to be dealing with the soul and dealing with the mind, dealing with the emotions. And we're going to be talking about handling pressure. And we're going to see that it will also connect to our prosperity. No pressure is our subject. You can handle it. Now, I want you to say that after me. No pressure. No pressure. Maybe you have to say it by faith. No pressure. Now, make it personal. I can handle it. I can handle it. 
Now, our theme is overcoming the pressures of life. Overcoming the pressures of life. I have a threefold goal in this series, and it's going to last about six weeks. We want to learn, number one, to control stress. We want to accept peace, and we want to choose rest. That's pretty much an outline of the six weeks that we're going to be teaching on the subject, no pressure. You can handle it. We're going to be dealing with controlling the stress that we experience in life. We're going to talk about accepting the peace that's available to us. And then we're going to be talking about choosing rest, choosing to walk in rest. Now, today we're going to deal with the area of stress. I'm going to I'm going to be talking from the subtopic the pressure proof life. That's the subtopic of this first lesson on stress, the pressure proof life. That sounds good, doesn't it? The pressure proof life. Now stress and pressure are inevitable parts of life. Everyone, that's you, that's me, that's us, everyone experiences stress and pressures in some form or another. Yet, we don't have to be victimized by stress. We don't have to be victimized by the pressures of life. Now, here's an important qualifier. What we know and believe and how we react to the pressures of life will determine how successful we are in overcoming them. Now, I want to say that again. What we know, and we're going to give you some knowledge in the next six weeks. We're going to give you a lot of knowledge. What we know and believe and how we react to the pressures of life will determine how successful we are at overcoming them. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9, in the New Living Translation. I want to give it to you, and then we'll, we'll look at it later. Paul said, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. And one translation says we get up again and keep going. Now, we're talking about the pressure-proof life, and this is going to be our uh, first part. Part one in this area of stress, we're going to deal with the second part next week. I have my laptop. You can send any questions about anything that you're hearing, any comments about anything that you're hearing, 
any questions about anything that you're hearing, and we will attempt to answer those questions at the end of the podcast. The Pressure Proof Life. That's what we're talking about today. The Pressure Proof Life Controlling the Stress. The Pressure Proof Life Controlling the Stress. So let's answer a few questions. Number one, what is stress? What is stress? And whenever I define a term or define a theme or define a subject, I try to get definitions that are pretty broad and pretty comprehensive. Now, listen at this. What is stress? Stress is being stretched beyond your limits. It's being stretched, stretched beyond your limits. Are you stretched beyond your limits? My second definition of stress is stress is overextending yourself without adequate time for recovery. Overextending yourself without adequate time of recovery. It may be overextending yourself in the area of responsibilities. It can be overextending yourself in the area of finances. You can overextend yourself in the area of support. And we're talking more specifically about that in a moment. But stress is overextending yourself without adequate time of recovery. And then my third definition, stress is believing you should do more than you should do. Stress is believing that you should do more than you should do. You is believing, in other words, it's a false belief, it's believing that you should do more than you should do. In other words, you should do nothing, but you should you believe you should be doing something. You should do nothing. There are situations where we should do nothing, but you believe that you should be doing something and you're stressing out about it. Now, let's look at these definitions and and let's pause and reflect. We're going to listen to these definitions one more time, these three definitions, and then we're going to pause and reflect. As I give you the definition, I want you to think about your life, you personally, where you are, whether it's business, family, whether it's school, whether it's work, whether it's church, wherever you are, your circumstances, your environment. I want you to listen to these definitions and then we're going to pause and reflect. What is stress? Stress is, is being stretched beyond your limits. Let's pause and reflect. Being stretched beyond my limits. Let's pause and reflect for just a moment. Am I being stretched? Do I feel 
that I'm being stretched beyond my limits. Pause and reflect. Let's look at the second definition again. Stress is overextending yourself without adequate time of recovery. Let's pause for a moment and let's reflect on that. Overextending yourself, overextending yourself without adequate time of recovery. Could it be that you're going from one thing to another thing to another thing without a Sabbath rest, without a break, without adequate time to recovery, pause and reflect. And then thirdly, stress is believing you should do more than you should do. Maybe it's a relationship. Believing that you should do more than you should do. Pause and reflect. You should do nothing, but you believe that you should be doing something. We're talking about the pressure-proof life controlling stress. Now, let's, let's move and talk about the effects of stress. Now, here, here's something that's very important. A key to, to controlling stress is to be aware that you are in a position of stress. In other words, the key to overcoming anything is to know that you're experiencing that thing, to become aware of your condition, your mental state. For example, years ago, early in my life and in my ministry, I was struggling mentally, I was struggling emotionally, but I didn't know what was wrong with me. So since I didn't know what was wrong with me, I couldn't pray about it in specific terms. I I didn't know how to talk to God about it. I didn't know how to work on it. All I knew that there was something wrong with me. Well, in prayer, I asked God, okay, what's wrong with me? And I heard the spirit of God say to me, rejection. Now I'm aware of my emotional condition. Now I can start working on it. And I started listening uh, to uh, information on rejection. I read books on rejection. So I'm working on it. But the key to me overcoming that was to become aware of it. Some people are walking around all stressed out and they know that they're pulled in all kinds of directions, but they don't understand what they're dealing with. So this series, and in fact, this lesson, part one, is just about you becoming aware of your condition. So let's look at some of the effects of stress. We talked about, about what stress is. Let's look at some of the effects of stress. There are physical effects. There are emotional effects. There are behavioral effects and there are spiritual effects. 
Let's look at the physical effects. And, and I want you to be thinking about you, just you, because sometimes we're trying to prosper, but our emotional state is hindering us from walking in the level of prosperity that God intends. So the physical effects may include tension headaches, stomach discomforts, getting sick often. You just go from one sickness to another sickness to another sickness, high blood pressure, muscle tension and backache, fatigue and low energy, weight loss. You're just losing weight and you don't know why you're losing weight or weight gain. You're gaining weight, but you don't know why you're gaining weight. Erratic sleeping patterns. Boy, you you just up all times of night, can't sleep uh, through the night. You, you sleep for a moment, wake up. Uh, just erratic sleeping patterns. Now listen at this statement uh, and this observation from the American Institute of Stress. The American Institute of Stress According to the American Institute of Stress, 75 to 90 percent of all visits to primary care physicians offices are related to stress disorders. Now, that's that's powerful. According to the American Institute of Stress, 75 to 95 percent of all visits to primary care physician offices are related to stress disorders. What that boils down to is much of the time when people are going to the doctor for ailments, different kinds of ailments, much of the time it is stress related. Conditions caused by stress. Emotional effects of stress. Let's talk about that. Anxiety and worry, constant anxiety and worry. Sadness, everybody gets that sad sometimes, but it's chronic sadness. Indecisiveness. I mean, you just can't make a decision. You just, I mean, you just, you're thinking about it and overthinking it. Indecisiveness. Irritability. Irritability, your own edge emotionally. Depression, chronic depression sometimes is connected to stress. A lack of concentration, you can't think long term consistently in one area. You're all over the place mentally. Lack of motivation, lack of confidence. You're not sure, and sometimes you're not sure about things that you were sure or confident about in the past. They're emotional effects. Let's talk about behavioral effects. Overeating. Sometimes our overeating is related to stress. Moodiness. Moodiness is a problem, especially for a believer, to be up and down, up and down, up and down, inconsistent, moodiness. 
minimal productivity. I mean, you're producing some, but you know that you're not producing at the level that you can produce at angry outbursts. I mean, sometimes you just blow up over stuff that's really not that big of a deal. It's really not that deep, and you just go off. Change in sex drive, and I'm talking now to married couples. I mean, just a change in it. You're totally disinterested in sex, and sometimes that can be stress-related. Social withdrawal, it can be physical, Withdrawal, you just don't want to be around people. You don't want to deal with people. You just want to be by yourself all the time. Social withdrawal, but sometimes it can be psychological. You can be around people, but you're not there. You're in a whole different space. What we call nervous breakdowns may be the result of stress. Now, we, I don't know if that's the medical term, for it, but a nervous breakdown. And then suicidal, this is the extreme form, behavior effect of stress, is suicidal thoughts or suicidal attempts. Now, I wrote down a statement in this area that I want you to think about for just a moment. Because, you know, we've been in a a above-year pandemic A lot of people are dealing emotionally, and that's why this series is so important, controlling the stress, overcoming the pressures of life. You know, I I think I heard that the suicide rate has risen over this period of time. Thoughts of suicide, the, the suicide attempts. Now, I wrote down a statement about suicide. When suicide becomes the option or solution, then Jesus is not enough and the word is not true. Now, listen, listen, listen. I want you to make a note of this. Make a note of this. When suicide becomes the option or the solution. I got to get all this pressure off me. I, I, I want to get away from this pressure. I'm feeling the pressure. I'm feeling stress. When suicide, and I'm talking specifically to you if you're a believer, when suicide becomes the option or the solution, then Jesus for you is not enough. And the word for you is not true. Now, Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he gives us three things there. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. So Jesus says that there's a life, an abundant life for every person, regardless of the pressure you may feel, regardless of the negative situations you may feel, there is a life on the other side. There's a life beyond the pressure. Jesus calls it an abundant life. It's the God quality of life. 
And Jesus says that I am the way. He said, I am the way. I am the way to this life. Now, here's what happens often when people think suicide. When people think suicide is because they don't see a way. They don't see a way to get past or out of or beyond the pressure that they're experiencing. Well, Jesus says, I am the way to that life. So there's always a way out because Jesus said, I am not. I was not. I will be. He said, I am the way. So there's always a way out. But he tells us it's truth. The word. He says that I'm the way. And so no matter how dire, no matter how negative the situation may be, God, Jesus said, I'm, a, I'm the way. I am. There's a way to this life beyond the pressure. And then he says, the truth is the bridge. And that's what I'm giving you right now. I'm sharing with you truth because the truth is the bridge to that life. Now, we've talked about the physical effects, emotional effects. We talked about behavioral effects. Now, let's let's close this section by talking about the spiritual effects the spiritual effects, apathetic towards scripture, you just become apathetic. I mean, you indifferent. Sometimes you get in the word. Sometimes you study the scripture. Sometimes you don't. You, you, you have a loss of interest in the scripture. Uh, usually when you have a loss of the scripture, then you're rarely praying so these are the spiritual effects of stress. You rarely pray. So if you're apathetic toward the scriptures, you're not spending quality time in the word, and you're rarely praying, then the next spiritual effect is you'll be tempted to give up. You have, uh, uh, you're not sure that God cares, and you lose your confidence in God's ability and willingness to help you. All that is connected. Spiritual effect of stress. You become apathetic towards scripture. You rarely pray. I mean, quality prayer, which leads to being tempted to give up. And now you're not sure that God cares and you've lost your ability, or lost your confidence in God's ability and willingness to help you. Now, those are the effects of stress. And all we're trying to do in this first lesson is help you to discover and discern where you are. Because we, you know, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We can overcome. This is the confidence that... We have that we can overcome anything with our faith, anything, but we need to know what we're dealing with. So let's now talk about the major causes of stress. The major causes of stress. We talked about what is stress. We talked about the effects of stress. Now let's talk about the major causes of stress. And I want to give you a little uh, qualifier here before we look at uh, these causes. Stress is not always caused by major events. Stress can simply be the result of the daily grind, daily hassles and daily distractions. 
Stress is not always the result of major events. Sometimes stress can be just due to the daily grind, the daily hassles, the daily distractions. So with that in mind, though, I want us to look at these major things that cause stress. I want to look at five of them. I want to talk about crisis, briefly talk about each one. Crisis, each one that stands with the C. Crisis, conflict, change, concern, competition. Sometimes knowing the cause can be a key to the solution. So crisis, stress is caused by crisis. Stress is caused by conflict. Stress is caused by change. Stress is caused by concern. And stress is caused by competition. See whether you fall in these areas. When we talk about crisis, number one, it could be the crisis of death, the death of someone that's significant to you. It can be the separation of a relationship, any relationship. It can be separation and divorce in marriage, a crisis. It can be an accident, a crisis. It can be an injury, a crisis, or any traumatic experience. So it's caused by a crisis. The second cause of stress is conflict. Conflict. Maybe a poor or dysfunctional relationship. Poor, dysfunctional relationships. Boy, relationships can, can cause a lot of stress. It may be a dysfunctional, poor relationship or conflict in your family. It may be in your friendships. It may be a dysfunctional, poor relationship at work. It can be at school. But conflict situations that are not resolved causes a lot of stress. I believe I'm talking to somebody now. I believe that I'm talking to somebody. Am I talking to you? Am I talking to you? And anything I say, you can ask questions or give comments uh, about what I'm saying. The third area of of change, the third area of, of the cause of stress is change, transition. Sometimes it's just transition. It could be transition in our environment. It can be transition or change in employment, transition, change in our career. It could be transitional change in our financial status. That can be negative. For example, bankruptcy would bring a lot of stress on. Or it can be a promotion. That's a positive thing, but the promotion can lead to stress as it relates to our financial status. It can be retirement. Oftentimes, people experience a level of stress when it comes to retirement because it's a new experience for a person who's been working all their lives, and now they transition out of that work relationship. But retirement should be about some level of work and flexibility, not doing anything, but it can be stressful. Emptiness. Now your children are grown. 
and your life were built around your kids, it can be very stressful in the adjustment. The birth of a child, the adoption of a child, foster care. And then I tell you, what can really be stressful doesn't have to be blended family situations. Couples come together, get married, and they bring children from a prior marriage, and they blend in that situation. It can be extremely uh, stressful. Crisis, conflict, change, and concern. This is a big one. It can be personal chores and responsibility concerns, or it can be concern for others. Personal chores and responsibilities. Responsibility to your spouse, responsibilities to your children, responsibilities and chores around the house, responsibilities concerning car maintenance, responsibility concerning work, current school, business, paying bills. It can be personal chores and responsibilities. The concerns you have, but the Bible calls these concerns the cares of this world over in Mark chapter 4. Or it can be concerns for others. Other folk needs, other folk expectations. It can be caregiving. At one time uh, in my life, I was a primary caregiver to my father. My father became ill. And uh, my mother, I was off working in another state, and she let me know that my father had become ill and she needed help. I came home, and I was a caregiver 24-7. Couldn't work a job, couldn't do anything else but care for my dad. It was extremely uh, stressful. And then finally, competition. Competition can be, there's a negative side to competition, and it's stressful. And then there's a positive side to competition, but it's stressful as well. When I say the negative side of competition, I'm talking about jealousy and envy of others. It may be jealousy and envy of family friends, neighbors, peers, church members. It can be just jealousy and envy. Sometimes we have pressure on ourselves because we're jealous and we're envious and we're competing with somebody and we're trying to outdo them out of our own jealous hearts and our our envious nature or envious attitude. Or it can be a positive side to competition. For example, you need to keep up. And in some cases, you need to outperform others. And in a positive sense, for example, on your at work, you need to keep up. You need, it's a form of competition. You need to keep up with your assignments. You need to keep up with where the organization, the business is going. You need to perform and you need to perform 
on a high level. And often you will be graded on your level of performance. Well, at school, there's some competition because you got to keep your grades up. If you intend to go to college, you got to have certain scores, uh, certain grades. If you want scholarships, you're competing in that area. Uh, admissions requirements, you're competing in those areas. So there's a level of competition. You have to keep up. And in some cases, you have to outperform others to be selected. So now we know what stress is. We've talked about the effects of stress. We talked about the causes of stress. Now let's, let's, let's work our way toward a conclusion because this is just part one. Let's talk now a little bit about the pressure-proof life. That's that's what we're talking about. That's our subtopic, the pressure-proof life, the pressure-proof life. Now, when this series is over, especially this first part, these first two lessons, we want you to have a goal of walking in a pressure-proof life. So first, what is a pressure-proof person? What is a pressure-proof person? A pressure-proof person is one who chooses to be exhilarated and energized by pressure rather than being drained and crushed by pressure. I'll give that to you again, because that is a goal. What I see often in Christians' reactions to pressure is they respond to pressure just like everybody else. And often they respond to pressure like folk who are not saved. They respond to pressure as though God told them that they're going to live a life without pressure a life without trouble, a life without adversity. And nowhere in scripture, and the Holy Spirit has never spoken to any believer and said, listen, now that you're saved, you're going to have a life without pressure, a life without trouble, a life without adversity. Nowhere in the scripture will you find that. But it is possible to be a pressure-proof person. And that is a person who chooses to be exhilarated and energized by pressure rather than being drained and crushed by pressure. You said that, is that possible? We'll, We'll prove it in a moment. We'll prove it in a moment. But let's look just in the natural realm. When you think about Hall of Fame athletes, world-class athletes, the Tom Brady's in football, the Michael Jordan's in basketball, the LeBron James in basketball, what made these superstar, world-class athletes, great. What made them great? It was not the absence of pressure. No, no, no. No one has ever become great without pressure. 
it was not the absence of pressure. It was the presence of pressure and how they handle the pressure. That's why they are considered great. That's why all uh, professional, all people who love football, when you talk Don, John, Tom, when you talk uh, Tom Brady, you think of a world-class, whether you like him or not, he's a world-class Hall of Fame football player, athlete. But it was not the absence of the pressure. It was not the absence of pressure that make, made Michael Jordan great or the absence of pressure that's causing LeBron James to be great. It's the presence of pressure. It's the presence. And world-class athletes, they get exhilarated and they get energized by pressure. They approach it totally different. They have a, a totally different mindset. And here's what we want as Christians. We don't want any. We don't want any pressure, but we want greatness. We want prosperity. We want success, but we don't want any kind of pressure. And that's unrealistic in the natural. It's unrealistic in the spiritual realm. And the truth of the matter is, if you talk, and I, I don't know anything about them personally, this is my observation, may be accurate, may not be accurate. If you talk to a Michael Jordan or to a Tom Brady or to a LeBron James, at some, play, at some point, they're going to talk about discipline and hard work, discipline and hard work, their commitment to it, discipline, hard work, commitment to it. Well, we need discipline in the kingdom. We need to, to, to engage and be committed to our craft, but we have other resources. Think about it. We got the Holy Spirit. We got the name of Jesus. We got the word of God. We got the nature of Christ. We got the fruit of the spirit. We got the gifts of the spirit. Listen, we should be handling pressure on a whole different level because we have access to more resources. So we shouldn't fall apart in the pandemic. We shouldn't be suicidal in the pandemic. No, we should handle it on a different level, a pressure-proof life. Now, what's a pressure-proof life? What does it look like? What does a pressure-proof life look like? It is evidenced by the ability to concentrate and focus on essential goals and perform at a high level while involved in highly stressful situations and facing numerous internal and external distractions. Now, that is a mouthful. And so I'm going to say it again, and I want you to just say it. And if you're taking notes, write it down or go back and meditate on this because I want you to see what it looks like. What does a pressure-proof life look like? Listen at this. It is evidence by the ability to concentrate and focus on essential goals and perform at a high level while involved in a highly stressful situation and facing 
numerous internal and external distractions. I'm going to say it one more time. And I want you to think, because you're going to be in situations like this, and God wants you to operate in a pressure-proof life. The pressure is going to come, but the pressure is not going to get inside of you and direct your behavior, direct your attitude, throw you off course and all that because you're going to walk in a pressure-proof life. Now, listen at this. The pressure-proof life is evidenced by the ability to concentrate and focus on essential goals. So when I'm operating in a pressure-proof life, I have the ability to concentrate and focus on my essential goals and perform at a high level. So this pressure-proof life means I have the ability to focus and concentrate on my essential goals while and perform and perform at a high level. So my level of performance is not going to go down because of the pressure. Now watch this. I'm going to perform at a high level while involved in highly stressful situations. So I'm going to focus, concentrate on my essential goals, and I am going to perform, you are going to perform at a high level while you're involved in a highly stressful situation and you're facing numerous internal, that's in you, and external distractions. And you're going to focus and you're going to concentrate and you're going to perform at a high level in highly stressful situations right in the midst of these internal and external distractions. Wow, that is beautiful. That's powerful. I like to share with you a couple of things and then I want to give you some scripture proof text as we uh, in near our close. I can think of several, but I want to I want to share with you, too. I was uh, preaching. I was both officiating and preaching the eulogy of a young person who had died. And right in the middle of my sermon, not after my sermon, not before my sermon, in the middle of my sermon, a member in that family stood up in the middle of the sermon in the midst of this group of people at this funeral and this person started arguing with me about something that I said in the sermon. This was a family member. Now, I'm preaching, and this person stands up and starts pointing her finger at me, fussing at me, disagreeing with me in what I was saying 
about the death of the individual. The person was so loud and so disruptive that some persons, I don't know who they were, I don't know whether they were family or who they were, but they had to come in, grab her, and forcefully escort her out of the funeral, and she is fussing and arguing and shouting as they carried her out. And I could hear her on the outside fussing. They trying to quiet her down. I'm in the middle. Now I have to focus. I have to concentrate on my goal. And my goal in this funeral is to comfort that family. I've got to, I got to comfort that family. That's the goal. Now I am now ministering in a highly stressful situation. There are some internal distractions because now I'm thinking not just about what I'm sharing, but I'm thinking about what just happened. And I've got these external distractions. You can, everybody can still hear her. So I began, I continued because for a moment there, no one could hear me because they, this lady was, but the moment they escorted her out, I started right at my point. I didn't say anything about her. I didn't talk about her. I didn't say anything to the congregation. They knew what was going on. It was obvious to everybody. I did not take the it away from the goal. The goal is to comfort this family. I refuse to let this distraction hinder me from sharing because I'm prepared. I have a message. I believe it will help them. I believe folk are going to get ministered to. So I've got to concentrate on my goal and I've got to perform at a high level in this highly stressful situation in spite of the distractions. So I pick right up where what I was saying from the moment it was almost like a pause, like you pause, like you push the pause on a recorder. And there was a shot. This woman was talking that took it out. And I started exactly with no comments about the lady, exactly where I was in the sermon. I finished the sermon. The family was edified, encouraged. They let me know that it blessed them. And then I gave a short invitation and people got saved at that funeral. So my goals were accomplished. The family was encouraged. Saints was edified. The loss was won in spite of a highly stressful situation. Now, that's what a a pressure proof life look like. Now, I'll give you a quick a quick one. Because I want to give you some scriptures I want you to meditate on. 
I'll give you another quick one. I was officiating at a funeral at a grave site, officiating. I was the leader of the, I wasn't going to do the eulogy. The family member was going to do the eulogy, but I was going, I was officiating. And there was a young man who was a part of this uh, family. He began to speak because we allow family members to say something if they want to say something. But we noticed that his, what he was saying went from, from nice to ugly. And all of a sudden, he started talking about family matters and what he didn't like and things going on. Now, we got the casket right here at the graveside funeral. We got the family right here. And he's literally talking about things that he don't like and things he mad. He get angry. He's bringing up family matters right in this funeral. And I'm officiating. So I reached out to him to say, you know, brother, come on now. Uh, we, we got to go on. And then he got angry. And then some other folk came up to kind of escort him out. And when they kind of touched him, he pulled out a gun. Now, this is at the funeral. This is at the gravesite. He pulled out a long gun, not a play gun, not a water gun. He pulled out a real gun. And uh, some things are funny now. Uh, but they're not fun. They weren't funny then. This is a highly stressful situation because he's waving this gun and telling the folk get away from him. Uh, and by that time, I mean, folk were scattering. You're talking about looking across that grave site. Those folk were running out of that grave, uh, getting away from it. And so somebody came up behind him, knocked the gun out of his hands. And finally, they escorted him. They called the police. All this happening. And then, you know, whatever happened with that. Now we got to do something because this family, we got to minister to this family. We got to keep this thing going. So I'm rounding everybody up that I because they've ran away. I rounded them up, tried to bring back. Some people wouldn't come back because they were so afraid, some family. But we were able to get enough people back so that we could continue. Uh, the eulogy was done. The family was helped. Although we had some distractions, that's dealing with pressure. We have pressure. We have situations that come up and we can't control all these things, but we cannot allow the pressure to get in us. No. For the last few minutes, I want to answer the question by giving you three proof texts. I want to give you three proof texts. In my closing, the pressure-proof life is possible. What does the scripture say? The pressure-proof life is possible. Jeremiah chapter 17, I'll give you three texts as I close. The Jeremiah 17, verse 7. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. In the New King James Version, this is what it says. Blesses the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Verse 8, Jeremiah 17, verse 8. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out his roots by the river, and will not fear when heat, that's pressure, he will not fear when heat comes, but his leaf will be green, no moodiness, no depression, no loss of joy, but his leaf will be green and will not 
be anxious in the year of drought, even though it's a pandemic, this person not going to be anxious, nor will cease from yielding fruit. And the New Living Translation said they never stop producing fruit in the times of stress and pressure. That's Jeremiah chapter 7, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 through 8 in the New King James Version. This is a tree, and it's talking about a person whose trust is in the Lord. It says they will not fear when the heat comes. They're not going to be afraid when the pressure comes. The leaf will not, a leaf will be green. So they, they're not going to fade out. Their disposition is not going to fade. They're not going to be moody, and they're not going to lose their joy. And they will continue, they're not going to be anxious in the year of drought. That's the pandemic. Nor will they cease yielding fruit. So they're going to be fruitful in times of stress and pressure. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 through 8. My second text is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. This is the New King James Version. It says, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, so that we despaired even of life. Yet we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, he does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. So the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 10, that he was in a situation in Asia and it was so full of pressure and stress. He said, that it was beyond measure. In other words, it was beyond human strength. He said it looked like we were not going to make it. It looked like we were going to die. He said that we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. In other words, he realized that there was so much pressure, so much adversity, that no strength, no human strength could overcome it. So he could not look to himself. That's what it meant. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. So we couldn't look to ourselves because we could not handle the situation in human strength. So he said we trusted in God. And he says, God who raises the dead, so any situation that seems dead to us, seem like there's no way we can make it, he delivered us. That's past tense. He doeth deliver us. He does deliver us. That's present tense. And he said we're confident that he will deliver us. So Paul realized that there are going to be situations that's going to be beyond our human strength. God does not intend for us to handle it by ourselves. Paul is contrasting human helplessness versus divine enablement. There are going to be things that you're going to be helpless toward. 
But there, God is not helpless toward those things. And then my last text is 2 Corinthians 4, 9, and we looked at it at the very beginning. The Apostle Paul says, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. Think about it. Maybe you got pressure all around you, just all around you. I mean, everywhere you look, spirit, soul, body, social, financially, in your finances, in your relationship, at work, at school, you just got pressure all around you. Paul said, we're pressed on every side. In other words, he said, we got a lot of stuff coming at us, but he said, we're not crushed. So if you're crushed because you have pressure, it's because you are trying to handle it. And you're trying to handle it in human strength. He said we're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. Perplexed means we're at a loss mentally. We don't know which way to go. We don't know what to do. But he says we're not in despair. In other words, we're not hopeless. Because when we don't know what to do, God does. Just because you don't know how to handle this, you don't know what to do, doesn't mean God doesn't know what to do. He says we are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. And I know there are times you feel like God is not with you, but he never leaves us, nor forsake us. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Maybe you were knocked down, but the scripture says we get back up and we keep going. Now, all we've done in this, this first lesson was to, to gain an awareness of this stress situation, what it is, what are its effects, what are the causes of it, and is it possible for me to be pressure-proofed, and what does it look like, and is it possible? The scripture proves it. Jeremiah 17, 7, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, 2 Corinthians 4, 9 are proof texts that a pressure-proof life is possible. Now, next week, we're going to talk in part two of the pressure-proof life. We're going to talk about four anti-stress agents, four anti-stress agents. Now, listen, I got one question as I close our uh, podcast today. Do you think that seeking medication to manage stress is unbelief in Christ to help you manage stress? No, I don't. I don't think uh, medication to manage stress is unbelief in Christ to help you manage stress. Sometimes we need natural aids or natural support. Now, for the believer, now I'm going to qualify that, for the believer, I believe total dependence on medication and no dependence on Christ is unbelief. Now, I hope I got, I hope you hear, heard that. I think that there are times when we need natural uh, remedies to help us, just like physical remedies to help us. I think we need natural. But if we're totally dependent on the natural pills and the natural medicines and the natural medications, and there's no dependence on Christ and the word, then that is unbelief. That is unbelief. I think that 
sometimes medicine can get us started, can help us. But I think for the believer, we can develop a pressure-proof life. And, 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 and by that, I'm not saying the pressure stop coming. The pressure doesn't get in you. You get exhilarated. You get energized and you handle it. It doesn't get on the inside of you. And that is possible for pressure to be all around us and we not be crushed by it. I trust that you were blessed today. We're going to continue this next week on the Pressure Proof Life Part 2. And we're going to talk about four anti-stress agents. Thank you. Uh, Go back and listen to this. This is good information. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. And share it with somebody else. Share it with somebody else. Thank you. God bless you.